You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Smashbox Podcast, episode 412. I am your host, John Van Derzen. As it's always been just me, only me, it's never been anybody other than just me. For 412 episodes, anybody else that you may have seen sitting next to me, figment of your imagination. Um, for those of you that don't know, Terry Miller right now, I thought he was going to join us. He is over in Tempere. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I've heard it pronounced a couple different ways. Um, a couple different ways by the English speakers and a couple different ways by uh, the Europeans. So I, 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 can't, I can't say for sure, but... Terry had a long flight. He left yesterday. Um, I think I saw a few hours ago that he got in. I think it's something like three in the morning there right now. Um, Let's quick look up. Uh, Tempere time. What time is it in Tampere? Tampere. It's 5.04 a.m. So I don't know if you don't, if you know, Terry, you know that he's not really a morning person. Plus, he had been traveling for the last, I don't know, 12 or 14 hours. So the last thing I saw, the funny thing is, I saw on Facebook he was active about an hour ago. So my guess is that maybe he tried to stay up and he couldn't, or he thought he could set an alarm and he slept through it. Either way, if he shows up, he's got a spot, he knows the link, he knows how to get in, we can make it happen. Yeah, Tim Court says he probably just went to bed at 4 a.m. Not probably wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, Terry is a night owl. So this week, uh, it's going to be just me and maybe a little recap and a little preview of the European Open. Some awesome internet talk, as we always kind of have. We're going to review the Sula and talk about how that kind of finished up and went down on the MPO and FPO. I'm going to, I'll do it right now. I implore you to go and vote for the PDGA. 
Go learn. I just voted today. You got some time, but I think we're only at like 13% is what I saw. So please, if you get the chance, go out and vote. Uh, Figure out who you're going to uh, support, who most aligns with your particular mm, fundamentals, we'll say. And go out and vote. You don't have to vote for two people. If only one of them interests you, you can you can only vote for one as well. So um, get out there and vote, folks. Uh, we see a lot of people complain about the PDGA and its direction all the time. Uh, obviously not on this show. Actually, we do sometimes. But uh, this show, we, we tend to support the PDGA up to as much as we can and uh, don't always agree with everything that they do. But you know what? I think they're a pretty good governing body. And that starts with us and voting. So get out there and do it. I am sure you will hear something on the live broadcast this weekend. uh, Probably three times. It's a four-round event. I guess you get it at least three times a day. Or no, once a day, three times. There might be one MPO. You might get this six to eight times asking people to go out and vote. So just be prepared for that. Because we always do that interview with somebody usually. Um, right before the chase card tease or right after the chase card tease, depending on how it's going to work. So usually it's a PDGA uh, representative during the uh, PDGA majors. So I think that's probably what you'll hear. I'm, I'm guessing at one point it'll be UC as well, seeing as how this is his event. I don't know if they're going to save that from the first day or the last day. Who knows? But let's talk. A, yeah, rock the vote. Get out there. Pearl Jam, tell everybody to vote. Um, and go watch 90s MTV and you'll understand what we mean. So let's talk a little bit about the Sula Open. Uh, we saw over on the... We covered the MPO and the FPO. There wasn't much to cover on the FPO as far as uh, number of competitors. We only had 11 competitors on the FPO side. But... As I'm about to pull it up here... Um, it was a pretty good battle. It looked like early on, Anakin Steen was going to kind of run away with it, but it felt like every time she she kind of built up a little lead, we saw Rachel Turton from Great Britain make, make a charge. And Rachel is the higher rated player. I think Rachel is the one who we saw doing all standstills. And I, I believe she has some sort of injury, which is why she's doing it that way. I don't think that's her permanent stance but ultimately, she just uh, she kept making it close. and Or Anakin would maybe go back to the crowd. I don't know how you look at it. It was really a battle between those two, up and down. Um, we saw that Anakin kind of got out to the early lead and just held on to it for the most part. I, they might have been tied at one point during the weekend. I don't know. I don't keep track of that stuff. But it, uh, we got to see two beautiful courses. We got to see the, uh, was it the? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just absolutely demolish his names. The the Overas Disc Golf Park, as well as Vasset. That's what I'm going with. If that's wrong, sue me. The way the Europeans say Des Moines, which is a French name, which is over in Europe, and they still mess it up. I don't feel bad for messing up some of their city names. Uh, if you listen to the the uh, the presser today from some of the Europeans talking about the Des Moines Challenge and whatnot, come on, you can't feel bad. Can't feel bad. Anyway, Anakin 
she ended up coming out to a victory, two strokes over Rachel Turton. It came down to the last hole, honestly. Anakin got on 18, and 18 is the tractor hole, so you need to have a, a really good throw to get to the fairway. And then probably an approach for the women, because it's a par four for them. Uh, an approach up to the landing zone. And then from the landing zone, you can attack the green if you want. Well, she she executed her first two shots just like you want to. She's a lefty, so she wasn't really playing. She was playing away from most of the OB. She walked up to her, we'll say, second from last shot. And as a lefty, I thought, okay, just spike it into the into the green. That's all you need to do. She pulled out a forehand. And my jaw hit the floor. I was watching the commentators, and Zoe had her her hands in her head thinking like, oh my god, what is she doing? She's a lefty. You're pulling out this forehand. And I, I said behind the scenes, I said, I don't care how this shot ends up. It's the wrong decision. Now, granted, I don't know Anakin's game as well as I know some of the other FPL players, but she literally put it in the uh, the driver's seat, the tractor seat, wherever. She she hit the tractor, stopped right there, uh, had had a drop-in for her par, and, and Rachel ended up taking a, a bogey on this particular hole. So it ended up being two stroke and a two stroke victory overall because, like I said, they were only they were within one going into that one, and I was just scared because we saw what happened earlier in the MPO, and uh, it was yeah MPO went first. It was kind of like our old combined broadcast that we had in previous years where, and we did this because the FPO was so small that there's just no way we could have spread it out that way um, for MPO and FPO properly with this size of a field. So instead it was MPO and then FPO. And we ended up only getting usually the last four to five holes of FPO because these courses are not tuned for FPO in the slightest. You can tell when the winner shoots 24 over par and second place is 26 over par third place, 43 over par by Katarina. Uh, I, I don't know what to say, but beautiful courses. Beautiful, beautiful courses. So Anakin gets the sword and the shield. At the end of the day, she she, she is apparently coming back over uh, over here to the U.S. sometime later this year for, uh, I believe it is, uh, I think she's coming over for Worlds and then maybe Throw Pink. I think she qualified for Throw Pink, so I think her goal is to make it over here. Um but when Anakin pulled out that forehand on her second to last throw on 18, I was having flashbacks to the MPO round where we saw uh, uh, Jakob, Jacob, Jakob, I'm going to call him Jakob. Um, he kind of threw away the event on the last hole. Um, he had a chance to win. He just had to literally pitch it up into the opening and force, which would have forced Greg's hand. Honestly, it would have forced Greg to go for a shot that he might on a very dangerous green surrounded by OB with an elevated basket on baskets that weren't necessarily catching as well as we've seen in the past. Um, we'll get to that just a little bit after talking about the MPO and, and, and Jakob just, he chucked it out of bounds on the approach shot. He just, you know, powered it. Looked like maybe maybe a little nerves, a little overpowering, skips it into the OB. From there, ends up pitching up, 
dropping in for his bogey. Greg is able to pull in the the par to push it to extra holes. Now, the extra holes were going to be 18 again. One, two, and if it wasn't settled up by two, it was going to repeat one and two over and over. Well, we get to the first playoff hole, and Jakob, on his second throw, goes for the green. And I heard the commentators talking about how how bad of a decision that was. But what I liked about it was that he was aggressive, he was confident, and he threw it past the basket. So he was taking his par putt on the actual green. And now Greg was in a pretty good spot on the, on the fairway. But this forced Greg to make a decision. Now, ultimately, obviously, he didn't want to go B, but he, he juiced that one a little bit as well and ended up going deep. So I didn't dislike the decision as opposed to playing up short where he, you know, if he plays up short, Greg has the Greg has a choice of um, laying up as well or going for the win and messing it up. Well, Jakob kind of took that out of his hands and just said, "No, you're you you know you're going to lay up just like this. You're going to lay up and risk then not making the green on your second shot, or you can go for it and win." Barsby went for it and he made it. He parked it. He he was you know all of fourteen feet away. And he was able to uh, barely, just barely squeaked over the top. He canned the putt for the birdie, uh, which, you know, Jakob also hit his putt, which was closer to 30 feet, maybe 28, 27, somewhere just inside the circle um, for for par on that one. But I didn't dislike the decision because going into hole one against Greg Barsby, I don't know, I would have to look at what, uh, Jakob did on hole one each round. He uh, he took a, a two on it, and he took a three on it. And Barsby bogeyed and parred. So, I mean, it, it's it's really kind of a toss up. Honestly, I feel going into hole one against Greg Barsby on that particular shot, who happens to be, you know, a, a phenomenal forehand thrower. You know, which is what that hole really. Set, sets up for so take it for what you want the kid went for it he took second place can't ar- can't really argue with his decision uh he 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 could have played it safe but he didn't he attacked and greg ultimately came out on top experience wins but even with those decisions i feel like in the back of Jakob's head, you had to be thinking about those baskets because the baskets did not treat anybody well this weekend. I don't complain about baskets very often. In fact, I tend to be of the belief that we have different baskets in our sport and it is a pro's job to know what each basket does, where each basket catches well. You could see, I I respected Jakob later in the round after he had like a 10-foot spit putt right back in his face. And I believe he had one other putt. We saw Eric Oakley have a spit putt from like 40 feet to save par. 
you have to know where to hit him. You cannot, those particular baskets, it looked like if you hit him dead center, a little high, or even right in the center, they, they were coming right back out at you. So, so Jakob actually changed up his putt, if you notice towards the end. He was aiming to the right of the pole. So props to him for that, because um, that's got to be a little disconcerting when you practice constantly to look to at one particular spot where baskets usually catch the best, right in the center. Most of our modern baskets are, they're really good catching baskets. These, these were not. And I don't know if it's just the chains or the pole or the, the chain configuration. I, I guess they're old disc catchers or something along those lines. I, I don't even know. I don't pay much attention to that stuff. I just know that each pro has to learn what the best basket, where to hit the basket the best. And, um, and these baskets, you couldn't hit them hard in the center. They had to be coming down, which is why Barsby's putt worked out really well from them on a lot of times. Cause the way Barsby putts is like a rainbow. It's, it's not as extreme as double G, but it is an up and down motion that is coming downward when it hits, when it goes into the basket with most of his putts. And so he, his putts were not spinning nearly to the extent of a, a power putter like Jakob. So, you know, he just, uh, Chaser tells me they were old disc catcher 24s. So, yeah. And uh, so when we saw, you know, Jakob change up his putting style, I thought, good, good for the kid. He's adjusting. You know, that's what a pro needs to do. We get to what was it, hole 17? And Barsby sitting at 100 feet, something along those lines, 90 feet, whatever that is, throws up a perfect approach, an absolute perfect approach. It had the right height. It had the right angle. It had everything except it was going about as hard as probably one of Jakob's putts. And it hits dead center and spits right back in Barsby's face from 100 feet away. You can spit in someone's face from 100 feet away. I can't. And you could see, Bar- I mean, the replay showed it. Barsby went right down to the ground and turned around and gave like a, a Barsby-esque quote to the crowd about the, mm, the equipment. <laughs> and it seemed like he took it in good fun. And I'm sitting in the control room and thinking, I mean, nobody's rooting for that. Everybody wants to see these because I felt that that was a pretty solid thing. But we've seen baskets spit out, you know, aces that are dead center. That I'm not going to complain about that particular shot because it was coming in with a little bit of speed. It was coming in really flat and dead center, just like Jakob's putts. So it almost felt like, you know, if you believe in the disc golf gods or karma or whatever it is, it kind of felt like it was due for Barsby that this particular round should not end in regulation. And we, we keep a tally in the control room. I think we're 36 and two. Um, every playoff is a loss for us in the control room because we don't want to see playoffs, obviously, as I've described before. Um, so right then I knew oh, this is going to a playoff. I just feel like this is going to go to a playoff. There is something out there. There's some sort of karma that is that that is going to push this to a playoff. And it only felt right that after watching Jakob get spit putts, up and down that Barsby finally kind of got one kicked back at him. Nobody wants, I would have rather seen no spit putts and then Jakob win than see the way that went down. But ultimately it came down to, to a playoff hole. As I said, 
and the 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 better player won. Greg Barsby won. Um, I, I don't think we've seen the last of Jakob. I think he's going to be over here, and he's going to be playing quite a few events. So he's a, a young guy to look out for. I think he's only rated like a thousand and fifteen or somewhere around there. Uh, in third place was Yuna Heinenen. I'm just going to pronounce all the J's as Yuz. So if I'm wrong, sue me. Uh, fourth place, James Conrad. In fifth place, Kevin Jones. Tied with uh, Vino Makala and Kelvin Heimberg. Oh, and Chandler Kramer. Chandler Kramer from Texas, who I barely knew. I think we've seen him on, I don't know if we've seen him on coverage before. I think we've seen him on post-production in the past. He uh, He came out really hot on that second round. And made it to the third, was it the third round coverage? Or was he on the fourth round coverage? It must have been the third round coverage. Um, but, but awesome to see. A young forehand kid, primarily forehand. He can throw both ways, but uh, he just, uh, fun to see. Bright bleach blonde hair. And it used to be green, apparently. So, uh, Christian Kuoksa. In ninth, who we dubbed in the control room as the specimen. That was his nickname for us. We tend to come up with a lot of different little nicknames. And this one was the specimen because uh, Brian Earhart in the control room had said something like he is a specimen when he throws, he can crush a disc. So for, we just called him the specimen and I hope that nickname sticks somehow. And in tied for 10th place, we had James Proctor and Thomas Gilbert. Thomas was just off. You could see it the entire round. He, uh, a lot of rounds, actually. He didn't putt well. He didn't putt well at all. And a combination of some spit putts and, in general, just poor putting. His C1X, he was 41st in the field. 41st. That's not Thomas Gilbert that we know. So I don't know if he was distracted, just had an off weekend or what, but he putted like trash. And I think with a better putting round, he's he's a top probably a top four guy out there. So anyway, I don't think it's a sign of anything to come. I, I believe that when these guys, some of these guys go over to Europe and Thomas has been there for a while, uh, other distractions might be out there for you. You know, a little more sightseeing, a little less practice, a little more fun. You get a lot of that stuff going on. And, um, and Thomas just, uh, just didn't perform. So but we're not here to talk about what didn't happen because ultimately Greg got, one of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. And as everyone jokes, I don't know how he's going to get it back over here. It was a giant axe, like a battle axe, almost long, long stem handle, whatever you want to call it with a very ornate and a shield. And we got some really great pictures and memes out of it. So we saw that, uh, that Greg Barsby again, I suppose you could probably flat box ship that overseas. Bring it to an Ikea. You know, you're pretty close. They've got all those boxes. I bet you they could just put it in with one of their cabinets and get it over here to you without a problem. Yeah, I bet. Maybe it goes together like an Ikea. There's some weird screws at the top that pop the top off. I, I, I really don't know. Um, I didn't get a great look at it. But but ultimately, we got to see Greg Barsby finish up with, uh, finish up with a win. Going into the European Open, where he has performed really well in the past. We all, maybe not we all, because I never know who I'm talking to out there. Some of you guys are, are maybe COVID converts. So if you get the chance, go out and look at the 2017 European Open, the battle between Paul McBeth and Greg Barsby. Uh, one of the all-time great battles in our sport. 
um, at the upcoming course that we're about to play, The Beast in, in Tempere, in, or Nokia. Sorry, Terry's flying into Tempere. Um, the actual event is in Nokia. So um, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Greg always seems to perform well in Europe. There's something about it that I think he just likes. He's very comfortable there. He's gone over a lot of times with a lot of different people. I know he traveled with Philo for a while over there. He's been over there probably a dozen times. Uh, he's got like uh, host families he stays with. It's just in general a very uh, conducive environment for him. So we're gonna see how well he. Maybe he just likes all the partying. It wouldn't shock me because <laughs> from what I hear, that Sula event uh, on the reason why they finish it on Saturday is because they throw a monster party Saturday night and nobody wants to play Sunday. So there's a really good chance that maybe just Greg likes the party scene out there and, <laughs> and that's how he plays well. Some of my best rounds were after long nights out at big events. Um, some of my worst rounds were after that as well. But who's counting? Because a lot of my night, a lot of my rounds were after nights like that. Almost all of them, to be honest, when I was younger. So we're going to talk about the European Open for just a little bit. We've got uh, the iconic course, the Beast. Uh, oh, actually, first let's talk about the President's Cup, actually, because that's that's happening tomorrow. The President's Cup is our version of like a Ryder Cup, um, or I think they've got a President's Cup in golf as well, which is maybe what it's modeled after. Uh, the U.S. versus Europe. It's kind of an all hands on deck. Your top players. Europe's never won because the U.S. has always been had the best players. Uh, I think this year could be closer with the way Simon's playing. And some of the players that they have, some of the FPO players, are playing pretty well. Um, if if Evelina can can get her putt down, hopefully she's you know in Europe, maybe she's more comfortable. Hopefully her putt starts falling. I think they're. I think it could be close. I wouldn't put any money on Europe, but overall, I mean, it's going to be a fun fun thing to watch. Uh, it starts tomorrow at I think like seven a.m. Central, eight a.m. Eastern. Crack of dawn, Pacific. Yesterday in Hawaii, I don't know. I, I don't know time zones very well, but uh, we're going to see it in the morning, and that's what actually Terry's getting ready for. Because I know he's got to wake up early. He's going to be working, doing President's Cup stuff. It is going to be broadcast live on Disc Golf Network if you have the bonus pay per view. The beginning of the season. The Disc Golf Network laid out their list of events that they're going to cover. Sula, European Open, and then Deglo. Those three in the next three weeks. Well, I guess starting this past weekend. President's Cup was never on there. This is a bonus. This is something that I don't know if they thought... They weren't sure they were going to be able to cover it. They didn't know if they were going to be able to cover it. They didn't know... You know, if they were what they were going to do. And so now they're offering it as a bonus tier. So it's $10 for subscribers. I believe it's $20 for non-subscribers to the Disc Golf Network. But I think that 20 bucks probably gets you all-inclusive, including the live for European Open. I don't believe there's going to be any final day YouTube for the European Open. I haven't checked that, though, but I don't think so. I don't know. Um, 
But there is, so if you do want to watch it, there is a tier. And that tier does include post-production as well. And I believe they're working with uh, more disc golf guys. uh, Some of the guys that did the Sula as well. To do the post-production, put it on Disc Golf Network. And you will have access to that as well. But the live, the President's Cup is part of the bonus. The live for European Open is included in your Disc Golf Network subscription as it was planned at the beginning of the year. So we cool, we cool, we clear, everybody happy, no complaints. There's always complaints. I don't have a problem with this. I don't see an issue with it. If, uh, I know there's some people online and there's always people online, as I said, that complain about, you know, whatnot. To me, I look at it like, you're giving me the option of paying for this as opposed to forcing me to pay for it. Because it is at, as I said, eight in the morning, seven in the morning, four in the morning. What if you don't want to pay for that? But instead, if we, if, if the disc golf network had built that into their cost, maybe everybody, everybody has to pay an extra 50 cents this year, a month or a dollar. I don't know. I don't know what the numbers break down to. But it's not cheap to fly a bunch of guys out there with all the equipment, with all the data, film it, hire, you know, work with the contractors so we have enough cameramen because we're going to have seven cameras and I know we didn't fly all our guys over and then turn around and fly them back. That ain't cheap room and board and food and whatever. So the fact that they're actually giving you the option to pay for this as opposed to automatically charging you for it, I think is kind of nice. So we'll see. I'll watch it tomorrow. I'm not doing any of the, the content for it. Uh, it was, it's only going to be like 18 holes or 24 holes or something. I think it's 18. And we're going to see some, some, uh, match play. I think some doubles. So, uh, yeah, for those of you just joining, I think Yuha asked out there, Oh, is Terry out at Nokia? I'm fairly certain he's in Nokia. I sent him a message asking, are you joining the show? And he hasn't talked to me. He was active on Facebook about an hour ago. My guess is that he's sleeping. He had a long ride. He told me he had the, he was, when I talked to him at one of his layovers, I think it was in Germany. Uh, he was, he was going on a Matt Damon binge. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but we'll see how, we'll see what else he will. We'll catch up with him next week and see what he watched on the plane ride there and back. So president's cup. America versus Europe, probably America wins again. We have Macbeth, Heimberg, Kevin Jones. Actually, I don't even know who's all on the team. Paige, Cat, uh, Ricky. I mean, I just named off like six of the top ten players in the world, probably. Maybe five of the top ten. Whatever. Um, we'll see. Let's talk a little bit about European Open. European Open starts on the on Thursday for us in the States. Bright and early. I think I have a call time of 5 a.m. on Thursday because I'll be doing the controlling and the switching for European Open. I, like I said, I didn't do it for President's Cup. We've got another guy, Ian, that's going to be doing it for President's Cup. Um, only Being only probably a, a couple hours, a shorter event, it just... It didn't make sense for me to sacrifice a vacation day for my nine to five to cover that for what more or less is probably going to be a half day's worth of work. 
And we already have Ian covering FPO for the European Open. We'll be splitting duties. He'll be doing FPO. I'll be doing MPO. So if you have a problem with FPO, it's not my problem. If you have a problem with MPO, it's not his problem. It's probably not my problem either. Let's be honest. Come on. <laughs> um, European Open starts Thursday morning at the Beast. We're going to start with FPO like we always do. And that's going to happen at, I guess, technically, it'll be Wednesday night, depending on where you are. Because the men start at like 6 a.m. Central, which means I think the women start at like midnight, maybe maybe 11 p.m. Again, I'm not concerning myself too much. It's out there. Take a look. Um, it's all over. Look at the Disc Golf Network homepage. It's on the schedule. If you ever have a question about when things start, go to Disc Golf Network schedule. It lays it all out for you. I could do it now, but I'm lazy. And I don't want to sit and click on things while I'm talking. It's hard enough for me to keep a stream of consciousness going. So we're going to start with the uh, FPO. They're going to have a separate broadcast. Then MPO is going to have a separate broadcast. We're going to get to see the beast. I'm actually going to do a little research tomorrow and probably watch some old rounds filmed at the beast. So I kind of get a general idea. It's a very long course. Uh, they're, they're talking anywhere from, it could be anywhere from four to six or 7,000 people on site. Um, makes me a little nervous because we have, obviously we're all now granted we're in Nokia phenomenal cell coverage there. But when you have that many people, it kind of almost maybe doesn't might not matter. So we'll see. Um, you can only do so, the testing we've done has been great, but we can't stress test 5,000, 7,000 people. We can only hope that it works out well for us. And we've been very good about having redundancy and backups and a lot of our stuff. Uh, speaking of which the camera situation, we had some issues going into last week and where some of the live view equipment, you know, those 10, 20, $25,000 pieces of equipment didn't make it on time. Um, there was a giant holdup in Germany with a bunch of luggage and the luggage was quote unquote lost for a little while. So we, I know there were a few people at the disc golf pro tour and disc golf network sweating over some equipment. I, Cause I, I don't know the, the policy is as far as if, if that gets lost in luggage you know, how I guess you'd have to file some sort of insurance claim or something like that. Because it's not like you can tell the, you know, the the airlines, hey, I've got like thirty a $30,000 piece of equipment in my luggage. I don't know if they're going to buy that or what they're even obligated to cover for that matter. But thankfully, right before Sula, almost all of our equipment arrived safely. It was there, all except for, I think, one camera or no, I think it was two cameras and a live view unit, of which I believe they showed up this morning. So we went through Sula short one camera technically than we would normally have, or one live view. Um, and it uh, it didn't really affect the broadcast, thankfully. We had plenty of cameras covered. covered. Um, at, at best, we maybe have would have covered like a third card of MPO, depending on who was on it, but not really useful. But for the European Open, we have all of our equipment. We're all set. And I say we in the giant we because I'm not a, an employee of the Disc Golf Network or the Disc Golf Pro Tour. But, you know, those guys, you know, I work with them every weekend practically. And, and you know, I f- it feels like a we. I just always hate saying we because 
I don't want people to come at me like or come at them if I say something. It's a separate entity. I'm Smashbox, Terry Smashbox, but we work very closely with them and they're friends of ours. So that is European Open happening at the Beast. Mick Macbeth hasn't lost there in like a decade. He has won every every European Open since 2013, I believe. I think 2011, was it Felberg that won? Or did he win in 2011 and Felberg won before that? I think Felberg won in 2011 and Macbeth has won ever since. And I believe there's been four or five of them. You have to figure he's, regardless of how he's playing, you got to figure he's the odds on favorite. He's been there for a day or two. He's gotten warmed up. He's gotten some his practice rounds in. He'll get probably a practice and practice in tomorrow. He'll definitely be playing the president's cup. So he'll get a little bit of practice in there. I feel like lately, I think I've said it before that Macbeth has been kind of skating along on his talent and not putting in as much work as he has in the past. Cause he's been very busy, but Macbeth shows up for majors, man. That guy is major Macbeth. And it's not going to surprise me if he's in it with, a, with five holes to go on Sunday. He just, that's just how the, it's just how the dude's wired. You know, if, if he doesn't, Make it if he doesn't win at Idlewild, he's upset, but you know, whatever. It's Idlewild. That dude comes, that dude brings it for majors. And if he's within five strokes going into that final round, I wouldn't feel safe because he, he, he will shoot like an 18 or 17 just to, just to be there. So, Hoo-ah. that's gonna be Macbeth on the FPO side. It's unfortunate, but I think I called it last week. Kristen Tatar, not, not going to play. Her elbow just isn't healthy. And I can, <laughs> this sounds funny, I can kind of relate um, in that I as well did something to my elbow a couple of months ago, and it, it hurts a little bit when I fully straighten it. And it's feeling all right now, but I went out for a round of golf with uh, Brian Earhart and Terry and Zoe on, it was, must have been on Friday. It was Friday after our after our broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Friday after the broadcast, we went out for a quick round at Dretzka. I had my son's thirteenth birthday was that night with a bunch of his uh, nerdy friends, <laughs> and so I went out and played. And after that round, I could feel it in my elbow. It hurt like it hurt to throw sometimes. It's like um, when I'm whipping my arm straight, there is uh, there's a little pain there. So. Kristen Tatar is as well experiencing some sort of elbow issue, maybe similar to what Simon was experiencing. I don't know, um, but we saw that it took Simon a while to get to get back into throwing form. So, and he, I mean, Simon's playing really well right now. So, unfortunately, Tatar not there, but we do still have Evelina. We still do have Henna, Paige, and Cat. Those are probably going to be your top four. Uh, let me see who else is playing in FPO for this event. We've got, oh, whoops, it's got President's Cup in there. Yeah, I don't know who else is there. Uh, I think, I mean, our winner from last week is going to be there. Anakin Steen. So she's kind of someone to look out for, I bet. She has a great throw, by the way. Um, Her putt, it's not bad. But I don't think it's probably a top 10 in the FPO field. But her throws are really solid. She has really good form. 
And she's a lefty, which makes it a little different. We don't see a lot of FPO lefties out there. Uh, so, yeah, I expect her, and clearly her. she's very confident in her forehand based on what she did on hole 18. So she could be an upcoming threat. So keep an eye out for Anakin this weekend. Um, if, you, uh, if you're playing in some sort of fantasy leagues, for instance, you might want to maybe pick her up, depending on your uh, salary cap. What else do we have going on? We had, I should go to the PDGA page for this. I'm actually going to look something up because we had a bunch of winners pgalive.com. We had juniors and masters world champions. I'm going to start with the junior world champions here. And just going to rattle off some of them. MJ18, we saw Ilkin Grow. We all know his name. We we saw him win. Or was it he he was the one that took second, I believe, at Amnats, or did or did Ilkin take first? I don't remember. Anyway, congratulations, uh, FJ eighteen Victoria, Erechio Paul. Congratulations from Brady, Florida. Uh, MJ fifteen is Colin Bryant. FJ fifteen Virginia uh, Polkinghorn. MJ twelve, Hiram Hart. FJ twelve Haley Huber. MJ ten Oliver Beavers. FJ10, Poppy Spriggs. MJ8, Tanner Graham. You may know him as the son of Matt Graham, who does the Nick and Matt show. So congratulations, Tanner. FJ8 was Hayden Harper. So those are your junior winners. Now let's go over to the Masters, which was, I mean, I know more of the Masters, so it's going to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more obvious. We saw in the MP40, Joe Rovere. Come back to win this one. He was tied with uh, Martin Hendel going into the final round, but he shot an even, and Martin shot a one over. So we saw uh, we, we we saw that occur. Uh, third place was Michael Joe, and fourth place was Justin Bennell, a blast from the past. FP forty. I called it last week again. I mean, and I'm not saying that I'm smart because this was the obvious choice. Own Scoggins crushes the field by fourteen strokes. Over Jen Allen, Stephanie Vincent, and Holly Finley. Uh, own just, she's on another level. She's competing in FPO. So the fact that FP40, she's back to back winner. Congratulations, Own. Um, just don't get on her bad side. She might give you the bird, is what I heard. Bird, bird, bird is what I heard. Um, apparently, she got like a, a courtesy violation. I don't know if I'm talking out of school here because there was some parking issue and not her, not some, some parking attendant not letting her where she needed to park. I don't exactly know what's going on with that, but there were witnesses that she gave one of the, the parking attendant or a volunteer. I don't know. She gave him the bird and then went in and she ended up getting a courtesy violation. I don't believe it was a stroke. I think it was just a courtesy violation. Um, out of own. So, which not own like, I'm going to tell you that not own like. What do we got on on the board? Anything fun on on the board? Am I, am I still live? Even uh, I think I'm still live. So let's talk a little bit more about MP50. This is the one that everybody is kind of I don't say amazed at, but maybe amazed is the right word. Johnny McRae 
after having a heart attack earlier in the year. Dude had a heart attack. He he was dead. Literally dead for for like what, a couple minutes they said? 3 minutes? 1 minute, 3 minutes? I forget what the, exactly that number is. Dude comes back to win MP50 by two strokes over Ron Converse, Barry Schultz, and Patrick Brown. Dude was dead a couple months ago. You got beat by a former dead guy. MP50. And I make a lot of jokes, but props out to Johnny McRae. What what a what a battle. What a competitor. I, I honestly don't know what to say about that guy. Other than he is a he's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh FP50. Nova back to back defending her title. Congratulations, Nova and FP50. She beats out Des Redding and Tamara Coburn. So congratulations to Nova in the FP50. And Man, we got 55s now. That's right. MP55, Mike Fortin, FP55, Sue Stevens, blast from the past. Again, always always a competitor when I was uh, coming up in the FBO field. So congratulations to Sue Stevens. Uh, MP60, Tim Keith, FP60, Pam Moflage, Reineke. MP65 is Jay Gobrek. MP70, Johnny Sias. MP75, Rick Hahn. MP80 Pete May, who I believe is getting into the Hall of Fame or just did. Congratulations, Pete May. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of AMs. Do we want to talk about AMs? Sure, real quick. We'll just give a couple of them. MA40, Chance Stad, FA40, Charlotte Christensen, MA50, Jeff Romig, FA50, Aaron Patrick, MA55, Jerry Dobbins, FA55, Sue Perales. MA60, Ted Moans, FA60, Donna Stanley, MA65, Mark Hauser, FA65, Jane Anderson Renton, MA70, West Steer, FA70, Patty Adams. Congratulations. I've now rattled off all of the winners' names. Uh, hey, Jeff, how you doing on the board? Jeff uh, Wachowski. Just kind of rattling off some PDGA stuff. So that was your Junior and Masters World Championships. Congratulations to them. It'll be exciting to see some of these players now get back on the tour like Owen. Maybe Johnny McRae even. We might see him at a few stops. Uh, The Disc Golf Silver Series and the Disc Golf Pro Tour. I know there's like some exemptions. Most of those events are probably full, but I'm guessing they hold a few spots just for a little bit of padding and if there's some if there's someone who deserves to get back on the tour it's Johnny McRae. I don't know if he's going to. I don't know if if he has the finances or uh even the stamina to do it right now, but the dude just competed in a in a a five full round and a final nine to win. So I don't think stamina is a problem with him. And shout out to the final nines. I miss them. I can't wait. I know like Terry and I were saying how I'd like to be at the uh Masters Worlds next year. All right, what else do we have to talk about tonight? Talked about worlds, talked about all that fun stuff. I need a new camera, actually. I was thinking about that. I was just looking at cameras. I think I'm going to get like a DSLR because the, the color on this webcam is just trash. I'm just, I mean, I'm, it actually doesn't look that bad when I shade them. I should block them more. Just hang out like this. I actually have a little more color when I block out the lights. And then I get blown out. Maybe I just need to put some sort of filter on those lights. I tried turning them down as much as I could, but maybe it's just like a diffuser. Hmm. Anyway. Fun stuff out there. 
we have uh we've got a lot a lot of pdga stuff going on like i said get your votes in for voting board all that other fun stuff let's look at what else i always like to go through the pdga news and talk about news and announcements but my guess is that yeah it's all worlds and master stuff maybe a little eo Oh, women's global events tee off August 6th and 7th. So if you know an FPL player, or not just an FPL player, sorry, a, a, a woman player, get them out there. Get them out there to play. And any big announcements. A bunch of approved discs. The Squid from Neptune. I, I like the naming convention because Neptune and Squid. Uh, the Thread from Hooligan. The Altar. From Thought Space, the Salt from Clash. I also like the Clash names. I like the flavors that we're getting. So good. Um, do we have anything on the board? I mean, I don't know what tonight's all going to going to entail. We were talking about having Eric McCabe on to talk about the Emporia State stuff. Um, he's the new coach, but I really want to get more info from him. Uh, I think Terry was going to reach out to him. I don't. I don't know for sure. Um, I, I didn't see the email that Terry sent me about all the information until like literally just sitting down to uh, about 20 minutes before we started. Whoopsie daisy. Sorry, Emac. We'll get you on probably next week. Or the week after. I don't know. We'll see what happens with the European Open. I'm sure we'll have the European Open winner on next week. Do we have anything out on the board that we want to talk about? Is there anything that is pressing in disc golf land that I didn't go over tonight. Um, I've, I've, it's going to be kind of enveloped by European open stuff and, and a little bit of Sula, but I don't know, board. I'll, I'll give you a couple minutes board. If you're getting this to see if there's anything particularly you would like to chat about here. Um, I, I don't really have much tonight. It's, it's, I've rattled on now for 51 minutes approximately. Uh, well, I started a little late, so maybe it's 48 minutes. We can, we can start talking about that. I know Terry would have, uh, Terry would have had a lot more to talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, probably his flight and some, somebody, some idiot he ran into maybe, or that was, Someone was being dumb on travel. That's usually what we get a lot of from Terry. The Barsby Act celebration. I mean, it was a great celebration. It's uh, Those are the photos that memes are built on. I've already seen a handful of memes with Barsby with the sword or the, the axe and the shield up on top of the tractor, lifting it proud. Um, funny memes just saying how I feel whenever I hit a, <laughs> a 10 foot or longer putt or how I feel when my partner... <laughs> When my partner saves me after I miss a 10-foot putt, things like that. Um, That's how the Disc Golf Network gets you. You know, we build memes. We're meme builders, apparently. There's a lot of our videos and and, and stuff that become become memes. I keep track of it a little bit. I keep track of it a little bit here. Um, Apparently, the press conference had... Jeremy Colling listed as the U.S. president. That's news to me. I didn't even know he ran. I didn't know that uh, that that President Biden stepped down. And now we have President Colling. I think it was just a, a lower third typo. I think it was supposed to say a President's Cup. It was probably cut off. It was probably supposed to say like 
President's Cup captain, but it just said president, and Disc Golf Network doesn't make mistakes, so I'm going to just refer to him as the Prez now, which would confuse Andrew Presnell. Eh, oh well. So we'll figure that out. So that's another one that uh, I've, I've seen a, a few memes going on. Oh, another big news actually coming out of the press conference. UC Maresma uh, announced that he's going to try to submit a bid for the 2024 Worlds in Finland. So we're talking two years away, possibly Worlds in Finland. Don't see why not. 2024, 2025, I think either one works pretty well. I believe I talked about that. I thought we'd get one before 2025 over in Europe somewhere. Um, so this would this would hold right about at that level. I think I would love to see like a flashlight on my phone on. Must have bumped it. Anyway, um, would we want to see a European slash open slash worlds or in the same month? Or would we just skip the European open then? Just say, because right now we've kind of had it every other year anyway. So if it's 2022, we in theory wouldn't have it next year. And then we'd skip a year or they could do it again next year and then skip the year after and have worlds. Either way, people are coming over to Europe, hopefully three years in a row. Um, Or would we want to kind of just do a whole month in Europe and say at the the beginning of July, have the European Open. And then at the end of July or early August, like the first week of August, do Worlds? Would it be in... It just says Finland. I don't know if that would necessarily mean it would be at the Beast. Or if it would be somewhere else. I mean, Finland has a ton of courses. Some of them are... A lot of them are phenomenal. So... That'll be interesting to see what happens. I think we do need a a world championship overseas in the next couple of years. I think that we're at the point now where the top players can afford to go overseas when they want to. It's not cheap, but it's more affordable than it used to be. Um, So if we, you know, we've always had, I would say, usually a dozen, maybe two dozen, probably closer to two dozen players from overseas come over to the US for for our majors more sometimes for worlds so to have you know two or three dozen of the top players go over to Europe and I think that'd be great I think that would be great what else anything else on the board that we need to talk about Yeah, it's a slow night. I think everybody is just prepping for the morning and watching the the President's Cup. I'm going to get up, probably get my kids ready for school, and then at that point... Oh, wait. How come YouTube... Hold on a minute. I'm not getting any YouTube chats in here. Normally, I see my YouTube chats, but I'm not seeing that. Hold on one second. So if you were chatting to me in YouTube, it stopped chatting to me in YouTube. Let me go to the live chat on YouTube because I have a a unified chat. So the unified chat is not showing my YouTube clips. Holy moly, you guys have been talking. 
Wow, you guys have been chatting and I haven't been seeing it. I've only been seeing the Facebook chats, which is why it was so quiet. Oh my gosh. All right, I'm going to go through a little bit of stuff here. Um, Holy moly, holy moly. I got Nightbot chatting. Dust, Dust, welcome to the show. He says you're still alive. Um, <laughs> someone said that Disc Blaster says Own is an abusive monster. Um, I'm going to disagree with you there, Disc Blaster, but... I don't know the, the, all the circumstances of that situation. And so a little bit of that is talking out of school. Obviously it's a little bit gossipy. Um, she did. Re- it was confirmed that she received some sort of courtesy violation. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Let me see here. Anything else chatting? Yeah. Johnny McCray is the feel good story of the year. Uh, just, and it's, it's, it's interesting to see the two different changes because at, Masters Worlds, you had Johnny McRae, and even though he was not playing, Jim Oates was in attendance with Juliana. Juliana, not Juliana. Everyone in the control room calls her Juliana, and it's rubbing off, and it's Juliana. Juliana Corver. But he, uh, Jim Oates is, was having some heart issues. Obviously, he had a heart attack all, like the day after, or the same day maybe even, as Johnny McRae, and both pulled through very well originally. Well, Johnny McRae obviously is pulling through a little bit better right now as he just won than Jim Oates. Jim Oates was having some issues, went back into the hospital. Juliana was probably, you know, a little distracted during her, her rounds, but overall uh, we're wishing the best for Jim Oates as well. Let's take a look at what else is on the board. We have yeah, D-Glow coming up. Talk about D-Glow is what somebody asks. Um, we're talking about the Discraft Great Lakes Open. A very, 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 very old event, to be honest. Not always played at the Toboggan. Used to be played at in Ann Arbor at the Monster. And the original course? Yeah, Monster and the original is what they were called. Those were the Monster courses. Both of them were very long, but the Monster had like five holes that were just ridiculous at the time. They probably are less ridiculous now, but at the time they were kind of crazy. And we're going to get to, we're going to get to see D-Glow. I wouldn't be shocked. Now I know there's a lot of people registered for D-Glow. I wouldn't be shocked if some of them ended up uh, withdrawing, depending on how quickly they're going to get out with the way air travel is right now. You can't rely on anything, anything at all. I've, I've been hearing stories about, uh, some of the podcasters I listened to actually, a couple of them went on European trips over the last month, and a lot of them have been having travel issues. Everything from, uh, especially in Germany, particularly where I guess they're having a lot of issues. But, eh, you know, it is what it is. Let's see what else is we're, we're going to be talking about. Uh, the Brent Hambrick Open is this weekend. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of a lot of people who didn't make the trip over to Europe go to and play the Brent Hambrick which is kind of a classic par three course. It is, we covered it one year on Smashbox. It maybe had one of the worst final nines I can ever remember. It was awful. The course was fun and great. The final nine was horrendous. There was just discs everywhere and there was no, I think MPO and FPO played together. It was ridiculous. Go out and watch that or don't. Don't waste your time. But if you want to torture yourself, go ahead and watch that. Having to cover that was miserable. Old schoolers will probably remember. Charles Barkley. Oh, uh, let's talk about commentators real quick. 
And I know everyone has a flavor, but this weekend we had Terry Miller, Zoe Andike, and Brian Earhart in the booth. I was really impressed. I thought the three of them meshed very well. And I'm not going to lie, I wasn't sold on Zoe coming in. Because previous experience, I've never experienced her live. She didn't have really any experience live, I don't believe. She's been okay on post-production. We used to have her on as a commentator here on Smashbox and loved her, but she <laughs> she talked a lot <laughs> on the old podcasts. It was hard once she gets going and she's excited about something. It was hard to it was hard to steer that train. So the fact that maybe um, the, the 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 fact that she sat down. And I thought she was phenomenal. I thought she was so good with those two guys. I thought the pacing was good. I thought that the they let the 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 disc golf breathe. They had so much less talking than we've seen in the past. Um, disc blaster asks, "Is Elaine tapping out?" No, not at all. Just this is just something we've we've had scheduled. Um, uh, Ray says that the booth needs more space. Yes. Yes, and we're still technically in a temp space for the booth, so there isn't that space to spread out like there is in Bend. If you look at Bend, they've got like a double wide backdrop, and there's more room to breathe. That particular space, the studio is a little bit more crammed. The backdrop is smaller, so they can't really spread out, which is part of the problem. And you know that'll be addressed, I'm sure. We'll get that stuff worked out, so... Uh, but anyway, I, I thought Zoe was good. Yeah, more relaxed than some people, and just very, very precise and very calm and talking. She didn't, you know, she didn't get overly excited. At least not externally. I saw her get, uh, I don't say frustrated, but as I said, when when uh, Anakin was pulling out that forehand on the final hole, and she had her 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 hands in her hair, like, "What are you doing?" Um, but she didn't let it show, and I thought she did a great job. So I'm I'm excited. I hope we get more. Zoe on the broadcasts. And as I've said, we have uh, Terry is traveling. If he did want to show up at some point, he can pop on. He has the link, but I don't think we're going to get him tonight. He's probably sleeping because it's 530 in the morning there. Someone asked thoughts on fantasy disc golf moving forward from Phil Mills, CPA, who is also, I think, running for a board spot. So go you know, listen to Phil's audio interview and anything. I mean, he's he's a regular on Reddit as well, his platform. So please, by all means, go ahead and take a look and listen if Phil fits your particular allegiance, alliance, leniency, whatever you want to say, lean, whichever way you lean. But Phil asks, what's uh, what's the future for fantasy? Um, I have my developer. I, we, him and I had a meeting like two weeks ago where we went over uh, the features we want to see for 2023. And he's getting me a, a quote, which I'm sure will be very expensive, <laughs> relatively expensive. And we'll talk about it. Uh, we're going to be, I, I'd like to give a little bit more freedom to our commissioners, people who are running the leagues. I want to, 
Uh, I'm adding FPO as a, as a position spot for draft leagues. We're going to make the draft league signup process a little smoother. Um, I'd like to add more features for premium members, things like that. So uh, there's a whole long list that we're going over, but let's, I'm going to go down the board a little bit more here and kind of just get an idea of what, of what is going on. Uh, Brian Earhart and I had a really good conversation. I know I talked about this. We, we were on the, we were on the course. It's the only time I got to talk to Brian Orzo. Um, and we were talking about foot faults and falling putts and calling that. And I think I sold him. I think, I think I got my, my, my first in-person convert on my idea of expanding the, your lie from behind your disc, three meters and allowing you to step putt inside those three meters. As long as you don't go past your disc, same with the uh, run-ups on the fairway that you can plant up to three meters or whatever it is behind your, or a meter or two meters, whatever that number is behind your disc. And then you can fall forward, but you can't go past your disc. I think I've got him converted. He sounded like he was, he was sold on that one. So we'll see. Um, we had quite a conversation about it with examples and discs flying around and all that other fun stuff. Uh, Zechariah Nicholas asks, is it all out of Milwaukee right now? I think you mean, is the broadcast all coming out of Milwaukee? Uh, the commentators, when they want to be together, they're in one of two places, Milwaukee or Bend. Our Silver Series, we have remote commentators where they can kind of be separate, but the timing isn't always great, which is why I actually, I actually don't mind it as much because it does. It, they can't interact quite as well, which leaves more space for the broadcast to breathe. I'll say that, but it is not as great for uh, back and forth between commentators. But if any, but if uh, I think Zoe's coming back for Ledgestone as well. So we'll see what happens uh, for that. But yeah, we, uh, everyone kind of comes out of Milwaukee, the replay booth, everyone is operating out of the cloud now. So you can be, I could be anywhere. I could be in Nokia right now doing the broadcast, which I should be. Um, and still do the broadcast for MPO, but maybe next year. Next year, I'll try to bring the family. That or Japan, I'm not sure yet. We'll see what happens with the European Open. If it's an event out there, I could see going out there with the family, skipping Japan next year. But if not, maybe I'll take the family to Japan. I don't know. I don't know. What else is on the board? Someone says Zoe's a female version of Philo. I don't see that. Philo is a little more energetic, a little different. He's got more stories, I would say. He his vernacular is a little different than Zoe's. Philo likes to kind of use made up words and and likes to have a little bit more. He's a little looser, I would say, than Zoe in the booth. He's a little bit more fun, a little less serious. Zoe took a slightly more serious tone, treated it like a almost like a golf broadcast. Some people thought she was boring, which I didn't. I saw online that some people were like, ah, she puts me to sleep. I thought she was just professional. So it all depends what you're looking for out of your commentary. I think that, um, and, oh, going to block. Finally done it. Sorry, disc blaster. You, you, I had to block you. It's been years. Congratulations for that comment. The paywall comment. Sorry, buddy. It wasn't about paywall. He he used a different term and it was offensive. So he was blocked. 
Anyway. Scott Davis says, Brian isn't very good at all on the sidelines. I, I don't know about that. Sidelines is tough. Because for, as Terry has, has explained, for multiple reasons. One, you constantly have to listen for your name and wait. And then they'll call you and then you have technology working against you. There's not a great method. We've got a phone with a hot spot and you have to, this little app that you have to unmute. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. There's memes out there right now about, you know, when someone's called upon and it doesn't seem to work. You know, I, not sure. Um, I don't have a problem for him. So I don't have a problem with him at all. Dust says commentary is so subjective and you can't please everyone. That's right. I always kind of have a philosophy of, I think live commentary is way different than post-production commentary. And there's a reason post-production commentary is, you'd almost think it would be backwards than what it is. Because post-production commentary is really hanging out with the commentators. It feels like, like when you, when you, when you, and they're kind of talking, they don't necessarily always talk about the golf. It feels like more of watching a sped up version with your buddies. At least that's what I get from the germ and Yuli and a little bit of the two hot geese. And it's like, you're, you're kind of hanging out and chatting. There isn't a lot of time to analyze the, the golf. Um, and the live commentary is much more analytical. It's much more f- structured. We have beats that they need to hit. We have, um, we know what we're going to talk about, or we steer our people that direction. A, a lot of what you hear, the commentators say, usually whoever's doing play-by-play, a lot of it comes right from Mo's mouth. Because Mo will direct them, hey, let's start talking about this. And they'll start talking about something specific. They'll roll it in. Guess what we happened to? We magically have a graphic for that. You know, if if we see Evelina it has, you know, three straight birdies, and we have a graphic that says her, you know, her her birdie ratio is the best in FPO, well, we're gonna push that because it, we took the time to make that graphic. Um But a good play by play person can really steer the show, great throwing commercials, things like that. Brian on the sidelines, I thought he's done a decent job. I think it's a very difficult job. It might be one of the hardest jobs because you want to say something useful. And I hate, you know, I, I really like when they go to them and they, they, they will tell you something that we can't see. Hey, how does that lie look from that bush? Do they have a hole? Do they have an out? What doesn't really interest me a lot of times, and we see it a lot, like, hey, did that go out of bounds? And we see on the camera that it went out of bounds. Eh, that's, I think that's, that's just calling on the sideline commentary commentator to get them involved. I loved when Terry would do the old check-ins where you'd have a, good, a great story from like, hey, I just heard from Katrina Allen that, you know, she's a vegetarian now and she had an all plant diet this morning or she's vegetarian in the AM and uh, carnivore in the PM because this is a digestive. I don't know. All those crazy stories Terry used to come up with on the course. I loved them. I thought they were great. And Terry is so connected with everybody that he he's hard to beat anywhere. Um, it just takes a little bit of practice. Nate Perkins is good on the sidelines. I, th- I don't know. I, th- I think, I think, uh, I think we found a couple good men on the sidelines. I don't think we found a great, female on the sideline yet and we haven't had many opportunities you know there's there's only been one or two that we've had 
and they've just been okay. So I think we're still exploring that option. <laughs> Ray Zerhausen asks, JV, if you get the chance to listen to some of the gatekeeper commentary, Dustin has his own style, professional but casual and enthusiastic. Uh, yeah, I, I have listened to a little bit of Dust's stuff. Um, not recently. He put out his his stuff. I think I listened to the very first broadcast he did, or the first uh, post-production thing he did, and I haven't really listened to much more. I don't listen to a lot of post-production in general. I kind of, if there's a big, something big that happens, I will step in and kind of get a general idea. Or if something crazy happens and I want to hear how uh, post-production deals with it, I'll sometimes pop in on there as well if there's a if there's a call or if there's a huge chase from the from the chase card you know oh did post-production get that feeling did they were they able to take footage from somebody else were they you know or or did they kind of just gloss over it whereas on live we made it something really exciting even if it only got within a stroke or two i i don't know so sometimes i like to peek in on that zachariah says are you a DGN subscriber? I don't know if you're talking to me, Zechariah. <laughs> this may sound funny. I am not a DGN subscriber. Because I'm an admin. So I've got the back door to it. So my, my account, because I, I, I log in and I do things behind the scenes. and I have to, I have to be available in case something goes wrong. Um, I'm not technically a subscriber, but I have an account. If I ever step away from this, I will 100% get a DGN subscription. <laughs> um, and probably get all the, all the bonus. I am a subscriber to Disc Golf Stream. The European one, because I liked, I was really excited and still am at another company attacking live broadcasting. I think they've done a great job of having uh, English and Finnish, I believe is, or maybe it's Swedish. Not 100% sure which one, which is the other one. Um, two different streams with two different commentator setups. It's great. I, th- I think they've done an awesome job with that. And I, I've, I've heard that they are on a much bigger delay than we are for cameras. So when I talk to a camera, we have a two-second buffer built in. It's time for the equipment to get all the data, process it, send it out. We can have anywhere from a 0.5-second buffer to a uh, like a 16 or 15 or 30-second buffer. The longer the buffer, the harder it is to communicate. Because what I'm telling them has already happened. And it's less directing and more reacting than on my side. And back in the day, you know, we would have bigger buffers because our software wasn't as good. Our signal wasn't as good. We wanted to give the equipment as much bandwidth as it could to deal and process. Things are better now. But I heard that the guys over on Disc Golf Stream, I think are on like an eight second delay, I think is what I heard. Maybe longer. So if you watch some of the disc golf stream stuff, you will see a lot more camera movements than what we have because they're not, they're not being directed so much as they are, as the director is just watching and switching cameras. So they're using post-production DSLRs, which in general, I don't like because it's a lot harder to zoom smoothly. You'll also notice that their zooms are a little bit more jerky. The, the picture, the depth of field looks phenomenal. The picture quality can be, when you've got a really good signal can be great and it looks really good, but there's give and takes. Well, the way they work is they're using that same stuff for post-production. And when they walk away, the director has to find a camera that works. Okay, cool. This camera's steady. Click, go to that one. Um, we don't do it that way, which is why you have a separate crew with Jomez on right now 
Um, I, I think I'm going to get myself in trouble here. I think we could do almost as good of a job as uh, a post-production crew with our live cameras. I would love to have one camera that's not on the live that's there to catch extra shots. Cause there are times that our guys, because they're live can't get in the optimal position. I think uh, Jonathan Gomez had a, a conversation with another podcast. I think it was Alta world uh, talking about that, how their guys can are, are more free to run around. and can probably get sometimes better positions than ours. It's a hundred percent the case. So I'd love to have one free camera to, for just in the future. If, if the pro tour or DGN ever takes over uh post-production stuff, which I think they could, there's, Swear to God, people, there's no plans on that yet that I've been aware of. Unless that plan is super, super duper secret, I don't know it. I wouldn't tell you if I did, but because I'm here telling you that I don't know it, I'm not going to lie to you. So I don't know that plan. But I think they could do just almost as good of a job with post-production with the camera angles that we have and the guys that we have and the graphics packages that they have now. So, But their guys over on Disc Golf Stream they're filming and just the director is, takes another camera. I don't think he's talking to them, telling them where to go, what to do, what camera he's on as the director here does. It's a totally different environment. It's more how we were six years ago. So let's talk. Oh man, this, this chat stream thing just likes to quit on me. So I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the YouTube chat here, people. Just so you know, we're going to focus on the YouTube chat. I'm going to go to the live chat here instead of the whatever chat. Uh, someone says live commentary is hard. It is. It, 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 Terry makes, again, I always think Terry can make almost anybody sound good. He could probably put me in there and I would sound decent. Not as good as those guys. Although, again, there's always a small part of me that, oh, I'd, and I'm sure there's a way with a lot of people that would love to give it a chance. I'd love to give it a try. Only because I have a lot of experience with disc golf in general. But I could suck at it. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I doubt I'll ever get the chance. It's, uh, I think I've only done one round of post-production in my life too. So let's see here. What else do we got going on? I'm trying to do something that Terry doesn't do. And Terry just like reads comments regardless of what they say. I'm, I try not to do that. I try to pick the comments I read out loud. <laughs> the Danish disc golf guy says he's not a subscriber to disc golf stream, although he works for them. It's very similar to what I do. Uh, yeah. I mean, when, why, why should I pay the hundred dollars a year or whatever that number is? Um, if I have a free account, I think we did give away. I think I was given some free ones a couple years ago that I gave away when it first just came up. I think we gave away some on the show. One of those was supposed to be mine. Uh, Danish Golf Guy says or they have longer delay and fewer cameras. I, they do have some static cameras, which I like, which they can always bail to. So um, that that's that's nice, and I would love to see that. At the European Open, we're going to be there, – there's a, uh, a closed caption – closed circuit, not closed caption, sorry, closed circuit uh, television system that's going to be on site with some static cams that I think they're going to put on some of the big screens. And we're talking to them about whether or not we can get access to those feeds, whether they're going to push them out to the internet, how they're going to be pushed out to the internet, whether it's an RTMP stream, whether it's just, they're going to push it to a secret YouTube and we could try to scrape that, which I don't like because it always looks a little goofy. Sometimes you could just get like a little arrow or the YouTube pop up. 
I don't know what's going to happen. I do know we are going to have a secondary commentary team for the European Open for the for everyone over in Finland. So that if they want to, you'll, you'll be able to see a second stream on Disc Golf Network for with Finnish commentary. So I think that's kind of cool. So they're working on that uh, yesterday and today, trying to finalize that and get that cleaned up. They might be even doing a live test tomorrow behind the scenes with the President's Cup. Uh, one thing to take a look at, if you are a big fan of the OTB skins, the the uh, the GK Pro skins, there is a new one out there with, I think, uh, Kevin Jones, Barsby, Tormond from Game of Thrones. Um, we've got... What, what the hell is his name? I can never remember his, his actual full name. I can, I'll tell you what, it's easy to find him because I just go to Sula, I look at MPO, and I scroll way to the bottom. Um, oh, I have to scroll to the bottom. There was a cut. I have to scroll to the bottom on the third round. My bad. Um, what's going on? What's going on? Scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, yeah, Christopher Haivu. So... I was a big fan of Game of Thrones. I was a big fan of his character. So it was really cool to see him out there. Some really great pictures of him out there with the guys. So um, some cool, cool stuff out there. Danish Just Golf Guy says, JVD, I've been directing cams for almost all the MPL rounds for the European Pro Tour. So I know it's all new to everyone, including the camera crew, but it's improving all the time. Yeah, I, I've I've watched a lot of the broadcasts for Disc Golf Stream. And let me just say this, guys. If you're out there and you're not I'm going to justify this a little bit. I like to keep it on. I like to keep my stuff on in the background. The live stuff for this golf stream. I'll watch it when I can. Otherwise I put it in the background. I subscribe just to support it in general. Cause I, I like live broadcasting and I think it's really cool what they're doing. And I want to see it get better. And I believe that supporting it like that is what I can do to do it. Whether or not I watch it or not. If you can do that, if you have the, the, the means or the funds to do that, by all means, Subscribe to Disc Golf Stream. Um, one, because it's cool and you're supporting Disc Golf. Two, because it used to be my domain. And I let it go and then they took it. <laughs> I let it lapse and then they grabbed it. It's a good domain. I should have kept it. Just like I used to have Fantasy DG. And I let that go as well. That was dumb. Um, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> woulda, shoulda, coulda. Uh, but yeah, go support the Disc Golf Stream, guys. Uh, honestly, I don't know how many subscribers they have. I, I, I'm, I'm I'm proud to be one of them. I mean, whether you watch it or not, if you can, cool. If you can't, I get it. Funds are tight right now. Inflation, you know, all that fun stuff. Is this the first time Smashbox has done live in Europe? Yes, it is the first time we've done live in Europe. And we do have to adjust our network, our cell phone network. Um, the way the systems work is they have these alternate SIM cards in our units. So they're called the B-SIMs which don't get fired, which don't use when we're here in the U.S., and we need to activate them when we go overseas. So that was all done. Um, I forget the actual network that they were on, Telenor. I think Telenor makes sounds right. Um, But yeah, so that's that's the... uh, But I think it's just a roaming sim. I think you can use whatever provider is over there. So we are using same concept, just different provider. Honestly, it doesn't change anything from our perspective. It's kind of cool. 
But yeah, go check out the GK Pro skins because they are on the Disc Golf Network exclusively. I don't know how that worked out. I don't know any of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm I'm assuming it had something to do with the fact that they uh, tried to take a guess. Maybe Disc Golf Network helped get them overseas so that uh, they could help cover FPO and be extra cameramen. And maybe in return, they put that on the Disc Golf Network. Or, I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't care to know, but that's that would be my guess. But either way, go check out the Disc Golf, the OTB skins on the Disc Golf Network because um, it will not. I think it's number 68 or something. It won't. I don't believe it'll be on YouTube anytime soon. Exclusive, exclusive. If you're into finished disc golf, there's already a lot of stuff on the disc golf stream platform since they also cover the Finnish Pro Tour. Uh, and yeah, the young Finns are great. They are great. Mm. Amazing. Uh, someone asks, where has Tyler Brickley been? I didn't I didn't invite Tyler Brickley today. I thought about calling him. Well, I, I debated like very last minute. The last time I had Tyler on, it was like I knew Terry wasn't going to be on him a couple hours beforehand, and I reached out to him. On this one, I just, I didn't know Terry wasn't going to be on tonight. I kind of thought he was going to be. I think that was the plan. And Terry just unfortunately maybe just couldn't keep himself awake or thought he could go to sleep for a little bit and then didn't and... So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So Terry's job, I believe, this weekend will be to be sideline reporter, and I think uh, Matt, maybe is it Matt Rothstein from the PDGA? I think he was the one that was there this morning asking questions. I'm not 100 percent sure if it was Matt. Um, he is going to be doing the sideline report, not sideline reporting the interviews after the fact. So we're going to get some of that going on as well. Dust says, I'll be Terry for you next time, JVD. I appreciate that, Dust. I didn't, if I had thought about it, I would have reached out to you a little uh, sooner. I honestly don't mind if this is a little bit faster of an episode. This is going to kind of be an all-inclusive, maybe no after show, quote unquote. And we'll just kind of kind of roll into it with one full broadcast if I would have known a little bit ahead of time, I would have reached out to you, but I just honestly, I expected at any given point, Terry just to jump on and, and, and just show up and he still might, you never know with Terry, but if he actually has gone to bed, he's a sleep for the U S <laughs> go to bed very late, wake up a little later in the afternoon or early afternoon. Usually if he can, not me, I tend to be up at six or six thirty, regardless did sleep until like 8.30 the other day, which was amazing. It was amazing. I couldn't believe I did it. My kids slept. Wife slept. I slept. We don't have any curtains on our bedroom. Just based on how our house, we have these giant, like one of those three panel bay windows in our bedroom. And I don't, partially it's been, I've been too lazy to hang up curtains in the last eight months. I haven't found curtains that I like. My wife hasn't found curtains I like. I don't really care personally. They could be giraffe curtain colored curtains. I wouldn't care because I just leave all the design choices to her. But, but ultimately, um, so I just wake up with the sun. They face the west side of the house. So while it still gets obviously bright as the sun comes up, it's not like shining right in the house. And now I just wake up uh, whenever. You know, I don't know blackout curtains or anything like that. I kind of like it because normally I'm up at a decent time.
Uh, Jay Tyra says, I believe Disc Golf Examiner will be streaming slash showing the Brent Hambrick. That would be interesting. I wonder if that's just a Facebook stream, if that is some sort of, like, is that some sort of formal live broadcast, or is that just a cell phone on a tripod or a monopod or something? I don't know. I, I look forward to the days when we have more streaming services, when we have someone that's going to cover just the Silver Series, when we have someone that's going to cover just the A-tiers. More competition, I think, is always better. It's going to be very difficult for anyone else because, I mean, I love Disc Golf Network. I think they're doing a great job. They're they're constantly getting better. But I also kind of think the disc golf market is also probably getting, in the U.S., relatively saturated with subscription. If you told me that there was a a service that covered 15 A-tiers that the Disc Golf Network doesn't cover, I would probably subscribe because I'm that way. But in general, I probably wouldn't watch much. A, because I'm busy, but B, they have less interest. You're not getting the top pros. That seems to be what the major draw is. I think the Disc Golf Network kind of has the market cornered right now, and I don't know how anybody else would ever compete live, which is one of the reasons I snicker and, and laugh when I see people online posting like, oh, Joe Miss should do live, and I just laugh and be like, I don't know. They wouldn't be doing live of the Disc Golf Network stuff, any of the DGPT stops. They could do live, anyone could do live another tour, start up another tour, like a live tour or something for disc golf. It's possible, but you need to attract the top pros because that's what people watch. There's there's no way you could do a tour with a bunch of 10, 10 to 10, 25 rated guys unless it was for a ridiculous amount of money. People just wouldn't watch because they don't care. They don't want to watch mediocre golf. So... You know, that's what it is. That's why I'm glad we see have like a European contingent. We've got an American contingent. I'd love to see more. So. When are we going to get Charlie Burns on the disc golf course? Charlie Burns. Charlie, is that Charlie Barons? Charlie Barons. Ah, <laughs> Sam. Okay. Uh, Charlie Barons is the, the Uper guy. You know, he's the Manitowoc minute. The, 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 the guy with the comedian with the Wisconsin, the very Wisconsin shtick. Um, I could probably reach out to him. He's a, he, he did some work for my, uh, my wife's. He was a comedian at one of my wife's fundraisers. I think I've told this story. Great guy, phenomenal guy. So I, I'm not going to say how much he charged, but he took half of it up front and he donated the other half to the, to, uh, to my wife's work. So he basically just took half of what his normal take home would be and just said, Hey, you guys keep the second half. So that, which I thought was awesome. What great guy seemed like a really great guy. Um, Christy out on the board. Hi, Christy. How's it going? I haven't, I don't know if I've, uh, heard anything from you. Uh, Christy says the Brent Hambrick coverage will be post-produced coverage. Okay. Yeah. Post-produced is great. I mean, I'm excited for that then. If that's what Disc Golf Examiner is doing. As, as we know, live is hard to make it decent. It's, it's, it's very difficult. Has the footage from the abbreviated celebrity event been put together? Um, I think they're working on it behind the scenes. It's not going to get released till mid-August. I think there's a... Whenever the next break in the schedule is i think that's when it's scheduled to come out for that weekend 
And I don't know what that weekend is. Mid-August, early August, 15th, 23rd, something like that. I believe that's when they're looking at scheduling that. So I think they're working on it, but I don't know what that progress or process is. So that's when you can expect to see the celebrity stuff from Funky Farms. <laughs> the BC videos is it, are we gonna get the damn shot from the BHMO the Brent Hambrick I hope not I think that was the one that killed us last when we broadcast it live a few years ago because some people went way down to the right into the woods and some people went way left it was just it was chaos chaos uh, is it at that UFC guy's house again um it's funny that you call uh an asker in that UFC guy because I think he had two UFC fights he was in Bellator. He is an he was an MMA wrestler, but he was also a uh, Olympic wrestler, I believe, as well. So, he, uh, but yes, it was at his private land. It was a fun little course. There's like three. It sounds about right. Three like long holes out there that are very difficult, and the rest are possible birdies. Bill says, thoughts on the Silver Series, counting for DGPT points versus only being Elite Series. I don't know. I haven't really thought much about it, to be honest. I don't mind that they're... They count for, what, like a quarter of the points, a half of the points or something? Majors count for one and a half times the points. I haven't, and I don't know if I will sit down and do the math as far as whether they're needed. I guess we could look at the end of the season to see who the Silver Series actually helped out to move significant positions, if any. Did somebody get in because they played a Silver Series? You know, there's, I know Terry doesn't agree with me. And I've said in the past that I would not be opposed to having a ratings cap on Silver Series events, depending on what we're looking for out of them. If we're expecting them to be feeders to, disc golf pro tour and that's where talent we're trying to breed talent there that i wouldn't be opposed to having a a 10 20 rated cap or something like that on on current players or 10 25 whatever that number is i don't make it up but it would have to be a significant interesting scenario or even if you say you know certain players can't play certain events i don't know it's uh It'll be interesting. I, again, I, I haven't put much effort or thought into the, the process or the, the playoff process or the points process, anything like that. So it's. Yeah. There is a gold layout for the Brett Hambrick this year with a lot of OB. That's a little more challenging than the par three that it used to be. It's I don't know if I'm happy or sad about that, because I've said in the past, I, I like to see more par three golf. I'd like to see a little bit more par three golf on the disc golf pro tour. I don't need every MPO course to be over 9,500 feet for the love of God. Like watching these players have to carve the woods on short shots is a, can be interesting. Now your scores are going to be much lower. You know, you're going to see 14s, 15s and 16s regularly, but I wouldn't mind that for an event. And a lot of people, you know, we, we, we see so much and hear so much about whether this is an elite level course or 
I don't know what that means. The way I look at it, is it an elite level course? Are the lines fair? Are the tee pads good? Are the baskets solid? To me, that any course then can kind of be an elite level course. We saw for years, Fountain Hills, a lot of pros like that course. We're not at the Memorial, not because of Fountain Hills. We're not there because of Vista. And that is arguably a birdie or die course. And I thought it fit into the season really well at the beginning of the year because it was much more of a <laughs> kind of Heiser Fest, the jarts, throw it up, let it spike down. As opposed to, it was a good warm-up. And, and I don't mind LVC as a warm-up now. It, it's it's kind of similar. There's not a lot of shot shaping you really need to do out there. Uh, but I I wouldn't mind playing, we'll say, something like Maple Hill, but not not the, 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 the gold or the black, whatever the big one is. More like a medium course at Maple Hill. But I would like to see a little bit more 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 extreme shot shaping we'll say in the woods that's a better way to put it not just a little hyzer not just a little anheuser i want to see much more shorter holes but make make them a little bit tougher make them more extreme in spots i don't know i don't know of a course i can even compare or think about to be honest right now uh but but seeing how the women played at Elver and Pokin made me wish that we had something similar to that for MPO. Something a little bit easier where not everything. Where, where the rounds take three hours, two and a half hours. We're not, you know, you don't have a shot. Because my least favorite shot in the whole game is the drive on a 800-foot hole into a wide-open fairway. Where it's where it's really just a distance drive and almost nothing matters because everyone can reach it in the second shot. Like that, that wide open 450 foot throw with no danger. Almost. That's my least favorite. We have a few of them on tour. You're kind of like, Oh, cool. What's the point of this shot to me? Like if, if your throw doesn't have a, a, a danger or a purpose to it, then why is it there? other than to maybe maybe give the long throwers a little bit less of a second throw but eh, we'll see whatever that's just that's just my ideas i've got a lot of them i don't always talk about them uh, a silver fox step course says, says tim courts yeah a little bit more like silver fox um I like Silver Fox. I think that could be a, a decent course. We were talking about whether or not like Brown Deer could be an elite level course, and I think it could based on longs to longs. Some of those holes are pretty extreme, and I think there's a lot of danger to get into. I don't know if Gray or Silver Fox could be. You might have to lengthen those a little bit or find a little bit more, move some baskets possibly into some, tuck them away a little bit if you really wanted something that was going to be challenging. But I again, I wouldn't care if it weren't as challenging, and we just had a regular, a regular old course. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And BC Video says score separation for the win. Most of the time, yeah, 
that's what I like to see usually. But again, if, if everyone was shooting like almost 10 under, 12 under, I don't mind because you'd have shorter rounds, but you'd more than likely going to have a playoff. And that adds to the drama at the end. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Phil says he hasn't heard as much complaining about golf course disc golf this year. I, I think, and he nails it here, people are enjoying them a little bit more because of the the style that they've been that they've done. The OTB was a good course. Uh, Portland was a great course. The Preserve everyone loves. The one course that everyone still kind of doesn't like are the uh, the Vegas courses. But they don't have a lot to work with from what I can tell. There's a few cool holes out there. And I'll, I'd be, I will be curious to see what happens if, if and when, and I, God, I hope they do, bring it down to a two-course layout and see if we can combine some of the extremes, maybe make some new holes, something kind of cool. Uh, I don't know. I hope they do. I haven't heard whether they will or not. Yeah, the West Coast, the West Coast stint did kind of kill it, and killed it in a good way. That's what we're talking about. Um, that that swing was really cool. We saw Mondahano just kick some butt that <laughs> up the West Coast, especially in Oregon. So. So anything else we want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> the Ohio courses were pulled, were pulled over COVID. Um, some of our camera guys got a little sick on the way over. I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was COVID or not. Um, I just assume that whenever anyone gets sick, it's COVID now, whether it is or not. <laughs> um, some of the camera guys got ill when they first got over there. I guess they're all feeling better now. Things are good. So they're excited for the European open. Just, you know, I've seen uh, Matt Dollar posted that he avoided COVID for two years, and I think he got it now. And he said it's wiping him out. It's, uh, I think it's something we're going to have to live with for a while. The Emporia Country Club is sort of boring. Um, I can understand that. I can understand people complaining about that. And that's... That's rightfully so because it's 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 more open. We're relying much more on nature and the winds for that course. And I know I sound like a broken record. I don't mind. If some people find it boring, I just think it's different golf. I wouldn't want all of our courses to be like that. I wouldn't want Emporia Country Club is closer to Las Vegas than it is to Portland, clearly. And as long as we don't have too many courses like that on our tour, I'm okay with it. Like not every course can be Maple Hill and I wouldn't want every course to be Maple Hill regardless of how great Maple Hill is. I do think there should be a couple courses where you have to be just a wide open bomber course where you have to deal with the elements. You have to deal with the wind um, roped off OB. I'm cool with that. You know, I wouldn't want it every week. I wouldn't want heavily wooded golf every week. I wouldn't want Midwest style park golf every week. I love the variety that we have on tour. The toboggan upgrades made it fantastic in his opinion. 
I can't wait to see some of them. I, I think I caught some of the upgrades for the Amnats. And it, it everybody's always tweaking courses. Everybody's tweaking things. One thing I will say about courses and baskets, I think we're going to see that if you want to have your event on tour, I think we're going to get to a place where, I don't know if we're going to have uniform baskets yet. It might That might be a few years away, but I think there's going to be a rec, a, a prereq that your baskets have to be newer, have to be within like three to four years old, just based on what we've seen over the last couple, over some of the events over the last, with, you know, the old disc catchers that we saw at Sula, the, the basket malfunction that we saw over in Portland. Having old equipment is not going to be accepted much longer. I think they're going. We're going to ha- we're going to see these events that want to be on the tour, like we'll just say Idlewild or whatever. They're going to have to keep up with their equipment costs. They're going to have to replace their baskets, kind of we'll say quote unquote regularly every few years. And whether that's economical or not, I don't know. Hopefully they can resell them or they can work out something with manufacturers to take them and move them to a different park, sell, sell them to somebody else for a slight discount. You, you just can't have worn out baskets, whether it's worn out chains or worn out catching contraptions, whatever we're doing, it's, it's coming. You, you have to. And I kind of feel like we might start seeing that with tee pads too. You know, Milo's, Milo's awesome, but we look at the, those courses and we say, oh yeah, if those tee pads, if those concrete tee pads are eight, nine years old, they're probably getting worn down. They're probably a little slicker. We saw at Sula, I hate to pick on Sula, the ends of those tee boxes were slick. And, and you're just going to have to up your game if you want to be on the tour or featured as a huge event either for a major or on tour, you, you're going to have to keep up with your course maintenance. And that might mean breaking out concrete tee pads every five to five or six years and putting in new ones and brushing them with a lot of good grip. That's going to be a cost of being on tour, I think. <laughs> Stupid idiot on the board says, I like beat-in baskets. I don't mind playing on beat-in baskets. I really don't. Me personally... You know, that's what it is, but it's very difficult. And maybe we get to a point where the pro tour is hauling around 18 or 20 or 36 baskets. If there's two courses, um, but if not, we're going to be relying on the locals to supply baskets and you can't check every basket. There's no way I guarantee you. No one would have spotted that Coriolis thing. Even if they inspected every basket, there's just, there, you can't measure every single hole or opening or, you know, re-weld if there happened to be one. I mean, you could have a basket that's a year old that gets hit by a tree or bent over it. it you know, your, your, your guy on a lawnmower runs into it and, you know, just kind of bends the cage just a little bit. That's, that stuff's going to happen. You have to replace those. There's, there's no way to check this, the, every single speck of a basket before every single event. And we've said, even if the Pro Tour starts hauling their baskets around, those are going to get beat up as well. 
because they're in and out, taken in and out, taken in and out, tossed in a van, tossed in a truck, driven around. Like they, they might get more abuse than being on a course. Because we, we, I mean, come on, we all know that uh, that Ray Ray Zerhausen, he's not hitting many baskets. <laughs> he's very good with his baskets. They stay very new. <laughs> uh, I give Ray a hard time because he's one of our big smashies. But I, I don't have the right answer other than we, we might need to just rely on local courses to say, you know, have a checkbox. Is your basket or all your baskets within the last three to five years? If not, replace them. That's gonna, what it's going to take. Zach says the uniformity that all baskets are the same may be lame. Might be. Depends on the basket. You know, is because I'll tell you this, I don't think the pro tour is going to be designing their own basket at best. They might subcontract a basket, white label it and put it as a disc golf pro tour basket and maybe not tell anybody whose it is. Maybe it's a, it'll come out. It's just, it's a matter of time, whether it's a quote unquote, a prodigy basket or maybe, or, or a DGA basket or, or a DD basket or a disc catcher. And I don't know. Maybe they try to make a slight modification to it so it's harder, but that doesn't make much sense. I, I don't know. That's, but me. Why would a disc golf company sponsor if you're not using their baskets? Kind of the onus is on the sponsor. You can, I mean, you could sponsor and still not have your baskets there. You 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 could. You could put your, <laughs> I don't know who would want to do it. Some baskets, you you know, you can't tell what they are unless they're flat out labeled. Maybe they require unlabeled baskets at these events. Even if they are DD baskets, maybe they have to be blank so we can put anybody's name on them. And I don't know if they would want, if other manufacturers would want that. Let's just say you're, you're, you're playing on, you know, a, a, let's say a, a, a Mach 3. I know we don't use them anymore, which is why I use that one, but it's labeled as prodigy because it's, you know, it's a white label Mach three. It's labeled prodigy and it's spitting left and right, which the Mach threes don't. I like the Mach threes. Love my Mach seven too. Um, does a manufacturer want to have their name on that? That's tough. Even if it's just for a sponsor, maybe, maybe if you're, if you're a big sponsor of an event, you have all sorts of other branding, not necessarily your baskets, your Baskets don't need to be branded, don't need to be labeled. Maybe, maybe you get everything else. I don't know. I don't have it. I don't have the right answers. Yeah, I grew up on Mach threes as well, and it, it, it. Greg Barsby probably grew up on Mach threes, which might be why his putt is the way it is. Jacob, my guess, Jacob, it probably didn't grow up on Mach threes. He probably grew up on on newer, maybe disc golf park baskets over the last five years which probably catch a lot better when you hit them hard in the center because our baskets these days are built for these power players that like to power their discs through the basket as opposed to to the basket. And I'm not saying one's right or one's wrong. I'm just saying that that might be why he developed his putt that way as opposed to Barsby, who is going to be, I mean, we saw Paul. Paul's putt doesn't, I don't see a lot of spit putts from Paul. Because of the way his disc comes into the basket. Remember when Ricky's putts just constantly spit out? I haven't seen it as much lately. We get like one or two egregious ones a year. 
Ricky putts like a madman. Flat, hard, into the heart of the chains. Maybe a little high, maybe a little low, whatever. But Ricky gets more spits than Paul because of his style of putt. Just how you grow up and how you learn to putt. So, and, and there's, yeah, there are different baskets that have different issues, but I, I, I don't know. There, there's no, there's no perfect basket. I'll tell you that. Corey brings us, speaking of Mach 3s, I played a league at Kakana tonight. I haven't played Kakana in uh, 10 years, probably. I grew up, I didn't grow up. That's the wrong way to put it. I grew up up in the Fox Cities, which is kind of part of Kakana. I had relatives that lived like half a mile from that park. So when it first went in, I played it. And I used to play at that park before there was a disc golf course there. What else do we have? Anything else on the board? I might just start to wrap this up. It's uh, about 10.54 local time here. My wife will be unhappy because I'll come to bed early and probably start snoring. Normally she gets a, she gets to fall asleep first on Tuesday nights. And most other nights I go to bed first. So... Uh, Jay says, Barsby's whole 17 spit spit out was because he was throwing upwards at the basket on an incline. Again, yes. And the fact that he hit in the heart of the chains with the speed he did, we saw that those baskets tended to, when they came in flat, man, they hit that pole. There wasn't a lot stopping them and they kicked right back out at people. So the Danish guy said it's perfect time. He's about to wrap up at work 6 a.m. there. Uh, Danish just golf guy. Are you going to be at the European open? I don't know if I caught that. Maybe, maybe I missed that earlier. Someone says, give us a tear bear story that he can't defend. Hmm. I don't know. I don't have a lot. The problem is giving a tear bear story probably incriminates myself as we have a lot of what we have done. We've done together, at least ones that I know of, unless he's hiding things from me, but Oh good. You're going to be at the European open. Awesome. Nancy's golf guy. We'll say hi to everybody there. Um, give Terry a hard time for missing out on the podcast. And we will kind of get going again. Sorry you had to listen to me ramble on for whatever, for, you know, almost two hours now. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash smashbox TV. It helps us out quite a bit. It gives us the power to do things. Like I said, I'm going to buy a new camera so that I don't look blown out. I hopefully look more like this. A little bit better, huh? Crank up the... What happens if I like, really blast up the, the light? Shh. All right, see, that blows me out right there. But if I cover it up, it's not bad. You can still see the shadows. A little bit better color, though. I might need a diffuser of some sort. I know they're pointed at me right now. I've got two of my two Elgato lights. 
One over there. One over there. One on each side of me. Eh, we'll see. But I can. I think this this camera also adjusts a little bit better. So we'll go. We'll go. We'll go down darkness again here. Might just have to find some diffusers or something. Because yeah, now I'm just like washed out. I mean, I'm 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 Elon Musk white. If you've seen some of those pictures, I'm pretty pasty. So any 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 sort of light kind of does things to me that the camera doesn't like. But our last camera was much better at adjusting and going light as opposed to this little uh, webcam that we have. Razorhausen says, "Are you happy with the new house?" Yes. Very happy. We have to have gutters put on, though. It's going to cost me quite a pretty penny. Um, the house we have is an old 50s style by an architect who wanted to be Frank Lloyd Wright. So it's a flat roof. It's got what's called TPO on it, which is single ply, basically um, almost like a PVC flexible you heat it up and it creates it's a what's on top of a lot of commercial buildings and i got this big story from the from the roofer who did the roof a couple years ago after a tree branch fell and put a hole in the roof before we lived here previous owners had an insurance claim and and i found out that the people who lived here directly before us were dicks um We've become friends with the people who lived here before them that sold them the house. They're really cool. But the, between us, there was a, a, a younger couple. I was a pharmacist from out of state. Not that that matters, but he apparently he's a total dick bag. And um, the, the roofer, we brought him in because I wanted to take a look. Because what happens is our flat roof has uh, drainage at the top, some drainage holes. We've got a few trees that kind of hang over the house. They drop leaves. I need to go up on the roof every once in a while, clean those leaves off like you clean out gutters just so the water filtrates and it seems to be fine. But there's two spots where, three spots literally, where the water comes over the side of the house. That's it, three spots. It could come over anywhere else and I wouldn't complain. But one spot is right over the back door. One spot is right over the side door. Now the back door, it's literally... Like I could stick my finger out the door and I would get wet. The side door, at least there's like an overhang. And so it's right there. But in the winter, I think it's going to cause an issue with the uh, ice buildup. And then the corner of our garage, which again, we found this past winter had a little bit of ice buildup. I had to make sure to keep it salted and it was for the most part fine. So I brought a roofer over. I brought the guy who did the roof over and he was telling me how, how much of a dickhead the guy who lived here before us was and that they tore off the roof and they got half of it done. And they tarped it up, but then a little bit of rain came through. Instead, about a less than half a pint glass of water spilled into the house onto the carpet. And he has they had this really like white, whitish, yellowish carpet because he had two huge dogs that lived here that pretty much tore up the carpet. And the guy was like a total jerk about um uh possible mold underneath of the carpet. And so the roofer apparently hired a carpet cleaning crew and all this stuff, but it wasn't good enough for the guy. And the guy ended up tearing out the carpet and, and started to put in flooring and wait, put in flooring and then tried to take it off what he was paying the roofer. And the roofer was like, what the hell dude, I paid for this. And, 
And the guy's like, yeah, well, now you're going to pay for my flooring, too. And apparently the, the roofer just ate it. It was like, hey, it, it's it's a couple grand in flooring, but I'm in, I would have to hire a lawyer. I would have to. It's in the middle of my busy season. So he just ate like three or four grand in flooring over this like small water that got into the house during the roofing thing. And so the, the roofer had nothing nice to say about the guy who lived here, as well as a lot of our neighbors have said nothing nice about the people that used to live here. So I don't feel bad. They're very happy we have moved in. Um, but anyway, where the water comes over, there's nothing we can really do. You can't really adhere anything to the roof for, for diversion. So we're going to have to put some gutters on the house, which they don't have currently because it's a flat roofed house and it's very sleek and mid-century modern, as it's called, apparently. So it's going to be a little expensive. So we're going to have gutters on just like three or four little spots just to divert the water away from where we want to actually walk out of the house. Cause we need to make sure that especially the side door, which we use all the time is safe for my daughter. Cause she has walking issues and disability. I mean, she can walk, but it's very much like she's walking with <laughs> like this doesn't have a lot of peripheral vision. Doesn't really look where she's going very well. So it's going to be miserable, but that's life. It just means I'll, a few weekends of my disc golf pro tour stuff is going to go to gutters. <laughs> uh, and, and that's life, but I love the house. Otherwise it's fun. I've, I've, I wish I had a little bit more space for like a woodshed slash wood shop. I want to do a little bit more woodworking, building some things, tables, cabinets, stuff like that. I don't have a lot of space for that because, uh, the garage is a little bit smaller. It's like a one and a half. It's called a two car, but it's more like one and a half. So I'm kind of sketching out where I want to lay out some of this stuff. So, other than that, house is great, man. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. How does my Bitcoin wallet look? I don't know. I have 0.25 Bitcoin. I'll ha- I had, I've had 0.25 Bitcoin for four or five years now, since 2017. I'll have 0.25 Bitcoin probably in five years from now. <laughs> whatever it goes up and down. So whatever it's at now, 25,000? I don't, I don't even know. I know it dropped down to 20. I thought I heard it went back up. So whatever a quarter of that is, I have that in Bitcoin. Um, it's uh, it's kind of kind of funny. A uh, Jay Tyrus says his money's on Bradley Williams and the Brent Hambrick. That's good money, putting down good money there. I would take that bet. I would I would take Bradley Williams over most. Uh, Carnishal says they make deflectors, which you never need to clean if they're not too wet. Um, we've <laughs> the previous owners knew that clearly that there was an issue with some water coming off of the front of the garage by the corner. Because when I went up on the roof, when I first moved here, when I first moved in, so we got here, we moved in in like August 30th. I went up on the roof right before, right after the leaves started falling to brush, make sure all the leaves were off the, of the roof and stuff like that. There was a, a sweep like you find at the bottom of a garage door, like half of it, probably, you know, half the size, maybe the size of one car garage door. And someone tried to adhere it to the TPO on our roof to help divert the rain. And it was like, it was, it maybe was adhered. It looked like they used like liquid nails, but the liquid nails didn't take because apparently TPO is like very resistant for anything to stick to it. Kind of the purpose, I think. So it was barely stuck on by more than like two to three inches. So I had just like kicked it off and that's life. I've, I've looked at other different types of rain diverters, but the matter of putting it, you can't, they, you don't want to puncture the TPO with anything and, you, and adhering it with like liquid nails doesn't really work really well. You could possibly put like a weighted, almost like a, what you see on the road when you like a, a bumper to help divert it. Cause those are heavy enough where the wind's not going to take it or move it. I've thought about something like that on the roof. So it's far enough back where you can't see it. I think, 
gutters are just the way to go. The, the roofer even had told us how he had recommended that because it's a flat roof that they re-engineered it just a little bit for a slight pitch. And because it was an insurance claim and the guy didn't want to pay anything extra for this house, because I think he knew he was going to sell it, um, that they decided not to do that. And uh, which but the, the, the roofer was like, it would have been way better. But he, the roofer can only do what the roofer's paid to do. I don't blame the roofer at all. Blame the dickhead that used to live here before. And it's not. It's a great roof. It's going to last me like 15 years. Because that TPO stuff is solid. Like, I've looked at it. There's, the seams are great. Everything is great on it. So we'll we'll live with it. Maybe in 15 years, we'll have to have it redone. And we'll put the right slope on it then and get rid of the gutters that we put on in the next couple, next month or two. We'll see. Uh, Sarah says, big windows, question mark? Huge windows. Like monster, like 61, 81? 81 inch wide. Like they're just monster windows uh, on most of the house. And just ginormous single pane, old 50 style, like just giant windows. Like again, Frank Lloyd Wright, like this. My wife was almost, she loves this house, but she was almost complaining, like, I've got nowhere to hang anything on the walls because half of our house is windows now. And I'm okay with that. I'm a minimalist. If nothing hanging around, I'm fine. Less to dust. That's what I say. What else? Anything else before I sign out here? Do you ever wish you had as much visibility in disc golf community as Terry does outside of us smashies? Um, I'm sure there are times I have. Yeah. I, well, visibility is, is one thing. Terry's done a lot outside of obviously Smashbox to become visible. He's done his own podcast or, uh, you know, blogs and stuff like that, which I've never done. Um, Everybody wants to be recognized for what they do. I mean, you know, I and, and again, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back that I, I built the entire back end to the entire live broadcasting network. If if it weren't for me, I, I don't know where live broad our live broadcasting would be right now. But do do I do I crave attention? No. Is it nice to be recognized? Of course. Um, do I do I wish I was out on the road more? A little bit. I'd love to be just in front of more pros. Just, I like to watch. I like to be there, um, hanging out. Obviously I get the podcast here. So we, they all, they all kind of know me, you know, it's, it's funny when I ran in, when, you know, when I went to play with Brian Earhart this weekend, I shook his hand cause we've never met in person. You know, I've, we've talked before. We've, I think he's been on the show once, um, but never, he, you know, never met in person. And it can be a little awkward at times when, you know, you, I've talked to people online here numerous times, but then you see him in person for the first time and it kind of feels like you're a stranger a little bit. You know, even with Kelvin, when he came over and crashed at my house uh, last week or the week before, like I, you know, I, I'd met Kelvin before I said, hi, I got an, I got an autograph on one of uh, my pro tour cards many years ago. Um, but it didn't really have a lot of interaction with him. So it was just a slightly awkward, even though we've spoken on here for hours, but that's one of the reasons I would just, Vis- being visible is one thing, but uh, recognized another. We were when we played the. Uh, it was really funny when we played around with Brian and Zoe. There was a guy who was running the course. He was like exercising, running, and throwing. He played all twenty-four holes at Dretska. So he passed us at one point, like hole seven or eight or something, and then we got to hole. 13 because after 11 you can take like a little detour and play we'll say a b c d e f and whatever the whatever those nine holes are maybe it's 27 address guy i forget these days 
we didn't want to play those because we were just going to get in, get 18 and out. So he played them all. So he passed us again. He passed us twice. Well, in uh, I bailed out of the round at hole 16 because I, I had to go pick up stuff for the party. And he was in the parking lot and he was like, hey, man, I got an ace on hole 17, a skip ace. And this I was like, hey, congratulations. Good for you, buddy. Well done. Well done. And he looked at me and he's like, and he had recognized Terry during the round. He was like, oh, hey, disc golf guy, whatever. You know, I don't even know if he recognized Earhart or Zoe, but he runs through. And then I was getting in my car as he was telling me about his whole 17 ace. And he goes, oh, hey, you're the other guy. <laughs> I chuckled. I'm like, yeah. He's like, and then he pulled my name. Away. He's like, Johnny V, right? I'm like, yes, yes. Nice to meet you. Thanks a lot. Good job on your ace. Congratulations. You know, cool. Awesome. It was just funny. At first, he's like, you're the other guy. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of me. I'm the other guy sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I, I live with that. I love it. I, I'm happy for any recognition that we get. I'm happy for what we've done and uh, what we've done to build the disc golf community. So it's fun stuff. The Danish disc golf guy says, I like meeting all the top pros, but I'm actually only nervous when I talk to other content creators, especially the ones I look up to. Like, Jonathan from uh, Lat64. I've not met him. Uh, I've seen some of his stuff. It's funny. I'd love to meet him. I'd love to do more outside content. Someday I will. When I can step away from the pro tour in the next couple of years. I think I'm going to start trying to put out more other content. So it should be pretty cool. It's uh, good, good stuff. So... All right, I'm going to wrap it up here. It is 11-11. Make a wish, people. Isn't that what they say? I don't have to thank anybody tonight because you all had to listen to me for two hours. Just go on and on and on and on. So, But overall, I want to thank Terry for not showing up, <laughs> for sleeping in. I'll talk to him in the morning. Um, I think next week we're going to try to probably get Emac on. Uh, I think he was supposed to be on this week. And uh, I, I didn't see that email until it was too late. And I felt bad just reaching out to him last minute saying, hey, can you come on? Because I didn't know what if Terry was going to jump on or whatnot. So um, for myself, Johnny V, and my normal co-host, Terry Miller, this was podcast episode 412, our Sula recap, our European Open preview, our Masters and Junior World Championship recap, whatever you want to call it. Um, I am John Van Derzen and be signing off here and we will see you guys next week when you step inside the smash box. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.